At this time, Brother Sam Pope is going to bring us a special. You know, Brother Michael said earlier that he felt like we had kind of came to worship this morning. I always do at homecoming. Uh, and I hope it makes you feel that way, too. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe whatever the cost, and when time has surrendered. And earth is no more, I'll still cling to the old rugged cross. I believe that this life with its great mystery Surely someday will come to an end. Oh, but faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last. Appreciate you, Brother Sam, and good to see each and every one of you here. Go ahead and invite you to the Gospel according to John, chapter 21, and verse 15. 
in here for just a, a we've been of course worshiping brother sam nailed it we do worship and especially at homecoming getting to see people that you haven't seen in a while and many that we reunited with uh, even back uh, last year when we had a special emphasis on trying to get people to come and extending the extra invitations. Thank you for being here. Many traveled from even great distances this morning uh, to be with us. Thank you for being here. And uh, church members, don't forget uh, to uh, allow the guests to go first, uh, our quartet guests and their family, as well as our homecoming guests. Uh, allow them to go first at the mealtime. In here, we'll get some spiritual food, and this is a great place to get it. And then on the other end of the facilities, we have physical food, and it's also a great place to get it. Uh, so it will be good uh, no matter how you do it. And uh, so we're excited about it. All right, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 21 is the last chapter in this gospel. Just one verse, and it's a powerful verse. And it says, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for allowing us this wonderful privilege this morning, this time that we can worship and sing praises to you. Father, you made all this possible. The songs... The words have magnified your name. Father, let your Holy Spirit be in charge. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring God's word. Last week, uh, Trey uh, preached on, on love, and, and I really didn't aim to just follow right in with what he was speaking on. Great at just summarizing the, and the his, his three points were, uh, why do I need love? What does it look like? And why is it so great? Well, my goodness, those were awesome questions because love is a great topic throughout the Bible. Of course, the most famous verse, for God so loved the world. And many of you know that song, I mean, excuse me, that verse. And many of you are very well aware that love permeates the Bible from Genesis all the way to the maps. And so many times we, uh, we talk about love, and Trey did a good job of, of preaching on love. And of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And so in defining and showing love, Jesus' life is an example of love, some of the verses. But today, this morning, for just a little while, what we're going to do is, is we're going to put love to work. Because you can tell me, you love me. You know, I love you as my brother in Christ. Well, you're, you know, if you're saved, you don't have a choice. You gotta love me. All right. 
You, the Bible says so. It says to love each other. All right. And so you don't have a choice to love each other. You're supposed to love each other. And then the Bible, and we'll find out in a little while that the Bible goes a little further. It says that we not only have to love the people we like, but we have to love our enemies. We have to love people that are mean to us. We have, so love is an, is not just a noun, it's a verb. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning for a little while. And that is, we got to put it in action. And we can say, we can come to church and sit inside these four walls. I love Jesus, but like is so, uh, uh, I appreciate the, the words, uh, that brother Keith was sharing about, uh, you know, being the same outside of these walls, outside of our church walls, because it's, it's hard enough to get people to come to church today and they say, well, uh, in that world, so and so goes. Well, I know how they act outside of church, so why should I go to church? So you know, because you know. But when our actions don't match our words, and you know, it all it is, it throws a conflict to the world, and the world says, "Why? There's no difference between a Christian, so to speak, and and the way I live. So why? What is there? What good is it? What good is loving God? What good is it?" So we're going to have a little talk with Jesus this morning, like that great song. And, and you can say that, and I can say page 84 in the Heavenly Highway Hymn Book, and I immediately think, you know, just a little talk with Jesus. That's one of my favorite songs. But we're going to have just a little talk with Jesus this morning. So let's set this up and talk about this for just a second. The very first point this morning is uh, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Well, in thinking about that question, do you love me? Let's set it up. Because what we have here is a church member, a church goer, so to speak. And he's been hanging around Jesus for three and a half years. And he was all talk, okay? And there's a, in every church has somebody that are, are talk. May not always match our walk. Folks, we've all messed up. Even me as a pastor, I mess up. You say one thing, you do another. That makes us all hypocrites, so that excuse is out the window. But what we have here is Peter and Jesus, they have not had a chance to really sit down and visit, to really sit down and have a talk since the betrayal, since the denial is more accurate. Since the public denial. Matter of fact, uh, we'll just set the scene up real quick. Of course, uh, Peter had said vehemently many times, and I'll go with you, I'll be with you all the way. I got your back, Jesus. He just didn't know way back, okay? <laughs> you know, Brother Robert Stone, you know, he just doesn't have the appearance of a piano player. I don't know what piano players are supposed to look like. But he would be somebody I'd want with me in a dark alley. You, know, so. you got my back, brother? Okay, see, he's got my back. And so, you know, I, I'd want him along if the going got tough. Well, Peter's that way. He, you just, his appearance, he's, he's rough, he's a fisherman, he's, he's a redneck, he's, uh, he's a country boy. And, uh, so he says he's got Jesus' back. And then, of course, the famous betrayal, denial. Aren't you a member of uh, that Jesus church? 
No, 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 no. Well, you sound like a Galilean. Isn't that where he hung out all the time? No, 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 no. I, I don't know him. I've never met the man, never been around the guy. And then finally, when he was asked the third time, you are one of them. And he started cussing and said, and basically wanted to blend in with the world and just, I'm one of you. I'm not one of them. I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. And the, I believe it's the Gospel of Luke's account says that just so happened, I'm in my mind's eye, imagine it, but it says that when he uttered it the third time, he looked up and he saw Jesus. I just imagine those guards rushing Jesus around the corner and he was saying all that and saying all that and God timed it just right because his word says as soon as he said it, they saw one another. And then, of course, all those words, all those promises came rushing back when he said, I'll go with you. I got your back. I'll never deny you. I'll never go against you. And Jesus and Peter locked eyeballs. And they, and then from then on, and then he, the, what does the Bible say? What happened after he did that the third time? He went out and he wept bitterly. Why? Because I believe that Peter was a saved man. And folks, when we're saved and we do wrong, we are tore up inside. I I don't know about you, but I am tore up when I do wrong. And, and, and that convicts me and that helps me know that, number one, I am saved. I do have Jesus as my Savior because when I mess up, He whoops the fire out of me. And He went out and He wept bitterly and the Lord worked it out to where He would have an opportunity And it all comes down to this. If there's one thing, when you leave this room in just a little while and we head on down there to fellowship, and you ask yourself, do I love Jesus? Because, folks, no matter how many sermons a preacher preaches, no matter how many lessons a Sunday school teacher teaches, the whole thing, everything about our church is to get people to fall in love with Jesus and ask this, do you love Jesus? Do you love Him? It all comes down to that because if you love Jesus, everything else will fall into place. And it all comes down to that. And that, guess what? Of all things, and, and you got, when you got Scripture, you got something. When you got Scripture, you got something. And if the Creator of the universe, the Savior of the world, can ask Peter that question, I can ask you too. And what is the question? Do you love Jesus. Think about it. It's right there. It's right there in God's holy word. Do you love Jesus? And he's asked, Peter, do you love me? So it all comes down to this. Folks, that's what homecoming is about this morning. Do you love Jesus? And if you do, now, it can't be just, you can't just answer Brother Michael you have to answer it between you and God this morning. Don't, you know, you can say it to me all day long, but what are you saying to the Lord this morning? The Lord was working it out. He, and he, I mean, He's working it out. Even with the angels, He says, hey guys, I got a job for you. Y'all get to go down there and roll that stone back. <laughs> and it wasn't to let Jesus out. It was to show the tombs empty. <laughs> 
And so the Bible says the angels went down there, rolled the stone back. Two of them happened to be there when the women arrived. The very first time, he said, hey, go tell the guys he's not here. He's risen like he said he was. Oh, and I love that part where he says, and tell Peter also. Special delivery from the Lord. God worked it into the angelic postal system to say, hey, not only do I want you to tell the guys that the tomb is empty, but he put a special, and I love because it's recorded in God's holy word, and tell Peter also. So see, so God's working out for what? Peter to have another chance. So folks, we serve the God of another chance. Even whenever you're saved and you mess up royally, I would consider denying Jesus publicly, vehemently, with cussing and whatever words he used to be a royal mess up. Okay? That's probably, uh, that's a big one. Okay? And folks, we, we point out, man, I'm so glad I didn't mess up like them. I'm so glad I didn't mess up like them. But folks, if you denied the Lord and if you didn't have, have it, if you had a chance to speak up for Jesus, you didn't, you denied him. Okay? And you say, well, I should have said something. I should have invited them to church. I should have told them about whenever I was saved. I should have said something about Jesus, that I'm a Christian too. I'm a, that's basically it. We don't say, we don't tell others, I'm a Christian too. And we'll wait until somebody else, oh, okay, they did it. Okay, now, yeah, hey, I'm one. We hardly ever though, and if you are the bold one and you tell people before anybody else does and you don't care if nobody else in the room is a follower of Christ and you're in the break room at the mill or in the middle of a log yard at sawmill or wherever you may be and you boldly proclaim and everybody else is cussing and, and talking about getting drunk and talking about everything that they want to do and you're the only one. Let people know that you love Jesus. Because if you hold back and you don't speak up for Him, it's the same thing as saying, I don't know the man. So this, right here in John 21, they had a chance. There was a chance when He appeared in the upper room, but they didn't speak then. It was just a time for Him to show them, hey guys, look, I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm flesh. I'm not a ghost. Look at the, and then Thomas said, I don't believe it until I see it. And then he saw it and then he said, and he didn't even stick his finger in the hands. He just said, my Lord and my God. And so it's all coming down to this. And God is setting it up for Peter to have a little talk with Jesus. And now this is the talk. And when you say, and think about this. This is the great part. As we look here, this tells me that fish fries are scriptural. Because, uh, I mean, this is post-resurrection. He's in a glorified body. And what does the Lord cook up? Hey, got some fish. <laughs> and he gets, they get to the shore. You know, you're out there fishing. They get to the shore and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus got a meal ready. Tells me fellowship scriptural. The other sitting over there to the side. He got him, finally got him off, kind of off to the side a little bit. I got a question for you, Peter. Me and you, 
We might have said, why did you do it? Why did you do that? But he didn't. You know what I think? I think... Do you imagine Peter's heart was a little... Heart rate was a little elevated. Maybe just a smidgen. Whenever you're sitting next to a glorified body, Jesus, in the flesh. He's sitting right beside you. The nail prints are still there. The scar in the side is still there. Everything's still there. And, you know, your heart's thumping, thumping. What's he going to say? Man, he has got ammunition. He could nail me. He could nail me. But he doesn't. All he's trying to do is get Peter back on track. And say, do you love me? And that's a great thing. To, for us, when we mess up, when we do things wrong, the most important, all you, you know, as that uh, saying goes, all you need is love. Let's just fly through some scriptures. Well, all you don't, you don't just need love, you need to put love in action. In John 13, just, we're just gonna look a couple of verses here in John. This is, of course, one of them's from last week too, but John 13, 34. Jesus said this, A new commandment I give unto you. Y'all got the other 613 down? Okay, all right. (laughs) Old Testament. But I give you a new one, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, If you have love one to another, John thirteen thirty five. Then the next one, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, wherever you go, Jesus, or where, where are you going? Jesus said, uh, well, whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can't I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus said, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me three times. John 15, just a a couple of pages over in your Bible. Just one here in mine. In John 15, 12, the Word of God says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his, for his friends. Now notice verse 14 real quick, whether in your Bible or on the screen. You say you love Jesus, but if you don't do this verse, this verse 14, just shut your Bible and let's go to the house. Because that's talk with no walk. That's, that's, that's all it is, is verbal. That's what he's saying. Peter, you can say it all day long, but if you don't do it. And then, of course, the very famous verse in Revelation chapter 2. The famous verse to the church at Ephesus of Revelation 2, 4 says this. Revelation 2, 4. Nevertheless, I am somewhat against thee, 
Because why? Because thou hast left thy first love. Are you seeing the common denominator? Are you seeing what's matching up here? One more before we move on from this subject, just real quick. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. Just a, real quick, it says this. You've heard it. It had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them which hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. You know, love is one of the riskiest actions that you can ever do. Because if you love somebody, you're setting yourself up to be hurt. That's why, that's why one of the deepest hurts in this room, one of the deepest hurts in this room is a broken-hearted parent. Now you know what I'm talking about. If, you're, if you've ever ached over the decisions of your children, because there's, I mean, everybody that, if, 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 you know, if you're wired right, if in folks, God put in you an, an innate, inborn desire for you to love your children. And if they mess up in your heart, why did they do that? You know, and then, then you're embarrassed because of what they did. And you're this because of what they did. And I'm, my heart is breaking because of what my kids have done and the decisions, but you still love them. And folks, you could, and think about all the heartache you could save yourself by, by, and I've seen people, they just don't love anybody because why? Because I might get hurt. And folks, that's the way to, so many times some people don't exhibit love because they might get hurt. That's why love is risky. A spouse can hurt another spouse. A child or even a parent can hurt each other. And then, of course, friends and Christian brothers in Christ, if you love each other, you can be hurt because of what they've done or what they've said. Don't you think that Jesus was hurt when Peter did what he did? Jesus making a point. Back to our text in John 21 and verse 16. Jesus making this point. Now, most of you know... And probably have either read or heard a preacher preach. <clears throat> because he asked him three times. He asked him the first time in verse 15. Verse 16, he said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep, which is basically get to work. Verse 17. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things that, that, that I love thee. Jesus said, well, that gummit get busy. <laughs> That's my redneck version of saying, feed my sheep. Come on. Come on. 
Man, you just can't just sit over here on the sidelines and you're not doing what you know is right and what I've called you to do. And, and the thing that I was referring to, the, the English doesn't quite bring it out whenever they were translating this. And the very first time when Jesus asked him, actually the first two times, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you agape me? And all that is, the word agape is a is a, the, one of the strongest forms of love in the Greek language. It also is a self-sacrificial love, laying down what... For you, for them, for somebody else. Matter of fact, in John 3.16, For God so agapied the world. For God so loved the world. His sacrificial love. And so, and guess what Peter's response was? Yea, Lord, I phileo you. <laughs> and I ain't talking about a fillet knife, okay? That's a different word, okay? And it ain't a fillet knife. It's the word where we get Philadelphia. Brotherly love. I love you like a friend. That's what a brother. Yeah, we're brothers. Well, I'm I'm your brother. I got your back. Sorry about the earlier mess up, but you know, I so that's what Peter was responding. Jesus, the very first two times, do you agape me? Hey, I I love you like a brother. I phileo you. He said it again. Hey, do you agape me? Yes, I love you like a a brother. Peter had to come down. Excuse me. Jesus had to come down to Peter's level the third time and he said okay do you at least phileo brotherly love me he said you know i do jesus according to that verse will always meet us where we are whether we're down in the gutter if we're hung up on self-pity if we're hung up in guilt but of all things and if, even if your love is not mature, here's, here's where it is. And according to this, I'm fixing to, and we're fixing to have a hymn, not quite yet, guys. I'll call you up in just a second. We're fixing to have a hymn invitation. These guys are going to help me out. We're getting ready for the time. If you want to come down, if you want to publicly say before the Lord and just say, I will love the Lord. I haven't been loving Him enough. And I need to respond to ever how the Holy Spirit's bothering you inside. So many times we're, we're verbal Christians and not Christians of action. We're fixing to have it. We're fixing to have a time for you to respond, but so many times He's asking, no matter what your level of love, no matter what your level of maturity, will you get busy for the Lord? Will you get busy for me? Feed my sheep. I don't care whether you're agapeing me or phileoing me. If you're loving me full devotion, you're ready to lay down your life for Jesus, or are you just hanging back? Will you get busy for the Lord? No excuses. Verse 20. Still in John 21. If you really put pressure on somebody, Peter turned about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John, the writer of this gospel, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and asked the question, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter saw him. He said unto Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? In verse 22, in country boy terminology, 
is if he just sits down and does nothing, what is that to thee? (laughs) Basically this, so many times you and I, so many times you and I, we excuse ourselves by the action or inaction of others. Well, nobody else is serving the Lord that way, so why should I? Nobody else is really getting after it, preacher, so why should I? And look at them. They don't ever do anything at church, so why should I? Folks, never excuse yourself by the action or inaction of others. That's looking horizontally. When we should be looking vertically at Jesus... And if we're going to compare ourselves to anyone, let us compare ourselves to Him and what He's asking us to do. The greatest thing that you can ever do for anybody is not to tell people that you love Jesus, but to show others that you love Jesus. I gave my Sunday night class an assignment one time. I stopped by side the side of the road and was talking to that young man. He's from CrossFit. I was asking him about his salvation. The other young lady that was in the East Lab, she took a video. And I shared it with my class. Gospel tracts are just telling somebody your testimony. Tell others that you love Jesus. That young man told me he was saved when I asked him. He said, yeah, if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. But I didn't stop there. I always ask somebody, They say because a lot of people think they're going to heaven because of their baptism or because they're a member of a church or because the preacher prayed a prayer. But I asked that young man, I said, I didn't stop. I said, you going to heaven when you die? He said, yeah. And then I said, why? He said, well, because I've been saved. I said, what does that mean? Well, I asked Jesus to save me. I asked Him to be my Savior. That's what it's all about. Is there anybody in this room? Guys, as y'all get ready, y'all ease on up there and we get ready for Him. I don't know whatever the Lord may be laying upon your heart this morning. But maybe, maybe there's somebody here. And right now, if you were to die today, Go over here and get a chicken bone hung up in your throat and just choke to death. Praise the Lord. Hope that doesn't happen. I'm going to be a prophet. And, uh, but it, no matter, you, I don't know, there's these runaway John Deere tractors all over the Promised Land Road. You may, one of them may squish you flatter than a tadpole's tail. Okay? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just naming you, folks, we're going to leave this world one day. Is it, I mean, when I preach funerals, and how many funerals have I preached here at Promised Land? Our life is going to end. This is temporary. That's why we call it homecoming. We haven't got to the last homecoming. There will be one day a last homecoming. 
Will you be there? That's the one I'm talking about. You can make these till Jesus comes. Will you make that one? Do you know Him as your Savior?